Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 will begin in verse 9 today. Um, as we came, came to this passage, I was reminded of a song we I sang whenever I was a little kid in church, and maybe you learned it too, or maybe you've led it uh, uh, with little kids. Uh, Of course, the passage we're looking at today talks about how Abraham is the father of uh, all who have faith. So um, uh, maybe you remember this, maybe you can sing it with me. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. You don't have to do all the motions and everything. <laughs> all right. Um, when I was in college, uh, I had a, a class on um, uh, religious education, and the, the teacher, the professor for the class said, uh, oh, we really shouldn't sing that song with kids anymore. They just don't understand it. You don't understand what it means. And I do kind of uh, understand, but you know, this is teaching a biblical truth. And I think we ought to teach those things to children, even if they don't understand them, to plant those seeds within their hearts so that uh, they, they are prepared to understand things as they get older. Um, we, uh, we see here that Abraham is the father of us all, and that be, being the father of uh, those who have faith in Jesus. Um, Let's go ahead and look at our text, beginning in verse 9. This is the blessing, I'm sorry, is this blessing then for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For if we say, for we say that faith was counted to Abraham, Abraham as righteousness, how then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but um, who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and to his, and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it, if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his offsprings, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that uh, you have brought us here together as heirs to the world. Lord, we meet together in this little place with only a few. But we know that uh, because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, uh, Lord, we are heirs of the world along with our brothers and sisters throughout the world. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being called your sons and daughters. Being able to, to come to you as a father. And Father, I pray that, Lord, as we listen to your word this morning, you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to obey. Lord, give me strength and grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The text begins this morning with, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or, for, or also for the uncircumcised? Which begs the question, what blessing is he talking about? And that would, of course, be what we talked about last week. Um, uh, they, uh, Paul ended last week's message. I mean, <clears throat> you know, you know what I mean. Paul ended the text that we looked at last week uh, by saying, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one who God counts righteous apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man who, uh, against whom the Lord will not count his sin. And we talked about justification by faith alone. Paul uh, is t- here teaching that we are saved not by works, but by uh, faith in Christ. And it's by faith in Christ that we have our sins forgiven. We are justified. We are declared righteous before God. Not because we are righteous, but because he is declaring us to be righteous. He is counting us as righteous, counting the righteousness of Christ to us. Um, And we are happy. We are blessed because our sins are forgiven. And that's what David had been talking about. Now here, Paul um, then points out, is this blessing only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? And we could say, is this for just, is this for just Jews? Or is it for both Jews and Gentiles? And as we've been going through Paul, going through the book of Romans, I think we can already see what Paul's going to say. He's going to say this is for both Jews and Gentiles. That God is bringing together both Jew and Gentile together into one people. Uh, as he said in verse 18 of chapter 1, it is to the Jew, or 16, chapter 1, uh, it is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. <clears throat> but here uh, he gives an argument for why we understand that the blessing is not just for Jews, not just for the circumcised, but also for Gentiles, for the uncircumcised. Uh, He begins his answer by asking a question. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but it was before he was circumcised. He's using a sequential argument here. He's talking about the sequence of events. Abraham, in chapter 15, it says he was 
counted righteousness because he believed the Lord in chapter 15. And then it's later in chapter 17 that it talks about the covenant that we read about this morning where God institutes circumcision with, um, with uh, Abraham. So uh, the Jews, to the Jews, the circumcision was the pride of their national identity. It was the, it was the thing that said, we are the covenant people of God. Um, and uh, Paul here is show, showing us that Abraham, he was already counted righteous. He was already counted righteous because of faith that he had even before he was ever circumcised. And by using that argument, he's saying that it doesn't matter whether a person's been circumcised or not, just like Abraham was already counted righteous before he had circumcision, so the uncircumcised or the Gentiles can be counted righteous without having to become Jewish first. Okay, now this may seem like a strange argument to me, but it was one of the big, to, to many of us, but it, it uh, is one of the biggest um, controversies that the early church had. Uh, um, Acts chapter 15, we have the uh, Council of Jerusalem where uh, there's this big discussion about whether or not uh, Gentiles had to convert to Judaism in order to be saved. Whether they had to go through uh, circumcision and obey all the Mosaic laws. And and here, um, (coughs) Paul is making the argument, no, it's not about a work like circumcision. It's not about trying to uh, follow uh, uh, these, these uh, covenant laws that were intended for the Jewish people. Salvation is open to all people regardless of whether they're Jew or Gentile. To those who have faith. The second argument he makes, it begins in verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Here, he calls it a sign and a seal. Um, Of course, circumcision was a sign. It was a symbol. It was to point out upon each of the male members of the Jewish community, we are part of God's covenant community, right? That was its purpose. That was its intention. Yet, um, Paul here is saying that in its context, whenever, whenever it was instituted for Abraham, Abraham was given this as a sign and a seal of the faith that he already had. Make sense? Faith came first. Faith came first, and then he followed through with circumcision. Um, now, some people try to connect this to baptism, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, those who are, um, uh, those who baptize infants would maybe try to connect this to baptism and, uh, and say, well, in the same way, baptism is a sign of, uh, uh, of the covenant. Uh, and in the Old Testament, you know, uh, the... Uh, 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 the children of Abraham, whenever they were eight days old, they were, they were uh, circumcised um, and became a part of the covenant community. And so in the New Testament, then we should do the same. Except uh, I, I don't think that's what Paul here is arguing. Um, we, first of all, we don't see examples of infant baptism in the New Testament there are no commands that we baptize infants. And I, I don't want to, this is kind of a tangent, but 
it's kind of here as well because we're talking about a sign and a seal that's a response to the faith. There is a connection maybe to baptism. And that is the sense that um, we believe first, right? Abraham believed first and he was already counted righteous. And then he followed through by being circumcised. In the same way, believers, and we're a Baptist church, we believe in, uh, in believers' baptism. We believe, and then we follow through with um, works, as a, uh, not as a, uh, in order to be saved, not in order to uh, make ourselves right and acceptable before God, but because we have believed and we identify with Jesus in that. Uh, in the same way, I think uh, this is how we understand some of the relationship between faith and works. You know, it's not that we believe and then we continue living the same way we always did, right? But it's also not the changes in our behavior that saves us. It's not trying to clean ourselves up and, and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and somehow try to make us our, ourselves acceptable to God. No. We believe, and God counts us as righteous. And then, just as Abraham was circumcised as a sign and a seal of the faith that he already had, our obedience to him, our, be- our obedience to his will, is a, a, an evidence, an evidence of the faith that we already have. Does it make sense? All right. The next part of his argument, there's a purpose here. Verse, um, verse 12, uh, starting in the second half of verse 11. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that, the right, so that righteousness would be counted to all who believe without being circumcised. I'm sorry, I skipped a line. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteous so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but also walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham before he he before he was circumcised you know, texts like this that keep saying the word circumcised over and over and over again is really kind of a uh, difficult text to preach because you keep saying that word over and over and over again. Uh, I'll just be a little transparent there. Um, not to mention it's a hard word to say. So, Okay. The purpose that God did this, the reason why he... He, uh, it shows us that he had faith first and then he followed through and, and was brought into covenant with, uh, uh, with circumcision is to show that he is father of both people, both those who are Jews, who believe, who have the same faith as Abraham, who have this living and vital faith, and also to those who are uncircumcised but believe and who walk in the faith of Abraham, right? The, the Old Testament was written for our instruction. 
Uh, yes, we are New Testament believers, but what Bible did Jesus have? He had the Old Testament. What Bible did the old uh, apostles have? They had the Old Testament. What did Philip read while he was uh, uh, converted on the, on the way to Damascus? Or not Damascus. Uh, what, Philip, what Philip read, uh, I'm sorry, I got confused here. The Ethiopian eunuch, what was he reading whenever he met Philip? He was reading the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written for our instruction. And um, uh, what we see here in the life of Abraham shows that Abraham, uh, he was to be the father of all people who had faith. Not just Jews, but also Gentiles who believe. In fact, circumcision is not enough. And I think we see that as we continue on. Circumcision is not enough. Um, We'll go ahead and look at that here. The purpose was to make him father as well. uh, Father of all who, without being circumcised, I'm getting... Sorry. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the faith, uh, walk in the footsteps of the faith that our Abraham, our father, had before he was circumcised. So it's... Not just those who were circumcised. Not just those who were physically circumcised. But truly, if they, if they were just circumcised, then they're not really Abraham's children. And this is, kind of goes along with what Jesus said. When he was met with the um, Pharisees, uh, they said, we have Abraham as our father. And Jesus said, if you really had Abraham as your father, then you'd believe me. Because before Abraham was, I am. Paul here is saying that circumcision alone was not enough to, have, to put somebody into right relationship with God. But those who were circumcised, who also have the faith of Abraham, as well as the uncircumcised, who also have the faith that Abraham had. Now we move into verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And when he says law here, it didn't come through the law. He's not talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the the Mosaic law, because we read about it in Genesis. That's part of it. I think he's talking about the Mosaic law, that is the laws that are given there on Mount Sinai. Uh, he, he's talking about that kind of law. Uh, this is, it, it did not come through the Mosaic law that was given through Mount Sinai, but it was uh, the, the, it, what we do find it in the Torah. Um, and he was promised that he would be heir of the world. Now, what's this promise all about? Uh, now, uh, Abraham was promised. We see his promises in uh, Genesis chapter 12, whenever he call, first calls Abraham out from Ur of the Chaldees, and he says that he's going to uh, bless him and bless all of his descendants and, and uh, give him land 
seed, descendants, and blessing. And um, uh, what we, I, I think this promise uh, that he would be heir to the world includes all three of those aspects, land, seed, and blessing. Land, of course, Abraham was promising that he would have the land of Canaan. And yet I think this is expanded whenever Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, the, 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 the land promise that we see uh, to Abraham is expanded so that believers are heirs of the whole world. Uh, when Jesus one day comes back, um, you know, if we, we're, you know we, we think about our lives and we sang this song, um, uh, I'll Fly Away. Right? Well, we sing the song, I'll fly away. This, this world is difficult and it's, it's, uh, we have many trials and one of these days we're going to die and we're going to be taken up to be with Jesus. But at the same time, we're going to resurrect our bodies one of these days. Except they're going to be new bodies, glorified bodies, uh, created so that they, they no longer have all the aches and pains and things that we have today. And there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And this is what Paul here is talking about as a promise to Abraham. um, That he would be heir of the world. We'll be a part of that heir, um, that that inheritance as well. We will uh, be raised to new life, to, to, to live in this new heavens and this new earth where everything is now set right. And there's harmony and um, everything is restored to what it should have been before the fall. Um, so there's land, seed, descendants. Uh, Abraham would have many descendants. He'd be the father of many nations. Uh, and we, we know that he, be, he became father of the Jewish people. And also uh, he had Ishmael and many, many uh, children through them. Uh, but also all of who have faith in him. And Throughout the world, all those who have faith in Jesus, from every tribe, tongue, and nation, if we are trusting in Jesus, then we can say we're children of Abraham. We can, call, we can sing that song, Father Abraham. And then uh, verse 14. Um, For... If it is the adherents of the law who were to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. Here, Paul here is saying, if if, if the law keepers were the heirs, the promise would be void because nobody could do it. God wouldn't be able to keep His promise if it was the law keepers because there are no law keepers. All of us have fallen short. None, whether, whether we had the law of God that was written uh, on tablets, whether we have the law that was given in the Old Testament, or whether we just had the law that was written on our hearts because we are uh, made in God's image, none of us keep the law. And so what Paul here is saying is, if it was the law keepers, if it was the law keepers that were inheritors of this promise, then God wouldn't be able to keep his promise. It has to be through faith. Through faith in Him. Um, And then verse 15. Another uh, continuation here. Verse 15 says, For the law brings wrath. 
But where there is no law, there is no transgression. What does the law bring? Wrath. Why, why is it that the law brings wrath? No, the law is good, right? The law, I mean, God gave us the law. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it tells us how to live. It tells us how to have a, a, a good life, right? And yet, the law brings wrath because none of us can keep it. None of us can keep it. And when we sin, we earn God's wrath. We earn death. The law brings wrath. And you know how it is when you tell a child, don't touch that. It awakens a desire to do it. Right? It awakens that desire to do it. So the law brings wrath. It's just like that. When, when, when we're told, don't do that, whether we're a child or whether we're a grown-up, what do we want to do? Well, who can tell me not what to do? Oh, I'll show them. The law, the law, what the law does when we, when we hear the law, as soon as we hear the law, we're like, I want to do that. I want to do that. The law ends up bringing around. It exposes our sin. It awakens a desire for more sin. That's how the law brings wrath. And then the final verse. That is why it depends upon faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his offspring. Why does salvation, why does justification have to depend on faith? First of all, he says, so that it can be by grace. Law keeping, law keeping, we're trying to earn our way. And if you earn your way, it's not a gift. It's something you earn. And honestly, we'll never be able to make it. We'll never be able to do enough good in order to earn our way. The second, so that it's guaranteed to all of his offspring. So that it's guaranteed. If it's by law keeping, there can be no guarantee. Because I, I, I might mess up. But if it's by faith, then it's guaranteed. We're trusting in Him, it's guaranteed. Because it's not on, based on, on our works, it's based on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Trusting in Him, He has saved us from the wrath that is to come. He has adopted us into His family. We have become God's children and Abraham, uh, uh, Abraham's children and we are heirs of righteousness. And the final words here. Who is father of us all? Abraham, who is father of us all. You know, we can thank God for Abraham. Um, we see in the Old Testament, in the, uh, in the book of Genesis, a story being played out. Where Adam and Eve in the garden, everything was made perfect. Everything was uh, uh, nice and harmonious and, you, you know, you could, it was just a paradise. And Adam and Eve, of course, we know, fell in chapter 3 and brought in sin and death and destruction into the world, disease and all these things that happened because of sin. 
We follow this line. There was a promise given in chapter 3. There would one day be a seed of the woman who would come and crush the serpent's head. We follow and we trace the line from Adam and Eve to Seth to Noah. And on through his line, Shem's line, up to Abraham. God calls him out and creates a people who would be for his own possession. A covenant people through whom he would work to bring the Savior of the world, through whom he would work to bring the seed of the woman. What we see in this text is how God is working back in Abraham, created a way for not just the Jews to be saved, but for all people universal, universally who have faith in Jesus to be saved. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.